0: Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. It's benefit season. We all know providing benefits is a cornerstone of employee retention. But many small businesses are priced out or completely disqualified from providing health coverage to their employees. Not any longer. Now, PCA members can get health coverage and they can even tailor options to meet their company's needs. To learn more about all the benefits PCA has to offer and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is Benji. Listen, we did a strategic planning roundtable with some Breakthrough Academy high performers just a couple weeks back. We had 300 live attendees, we had a ton of positive feedback. We thought we would release it as a Contractor Evolution episode. Now, given that most of you are currently doing some much needed year end reflection and beginning to chart your course for 2023, or at the very least, you really should be doing that. uh, We thought that this would be a timely conversation for you as well. Moving from one year to the next without considering what in your business went well, what did not, what needs to change moving forward is a recipe for exhaustion, frustration and stagnation, all of which are not good things. Obviously, one of the coolest parts about being an entrepreneur is the opportunity, the unique opportunity you have to choose where your business goes, what it becomes and why. This is like the fun part, you know what I mean? So if you're not creating space every year to reflect and strategize, not only are you hindering your business's growth, you're also just missing out on one of the richest aspects of entrepreneurship. To shed light on their strategic planning philosophy and process, we are fortunate to be joined by Matt Hambrick of Georgia Landscape and Dave Frazier of Birchwood Landscapes. We selected these two in particular and organized this roundtable in such a way uh, to highlight and extract how they go about doing a few things. Number one, how they analyzed last year's quantitative and qualitative data for a more holistic understanding of how their business truly performed against its goals how they use their why and their BHAG to architect meaningful annual goals and initiatives, and lastly, perhaps most importantly, how they foster buy-in, commitment, and accountability with their growing teams, who are obviously the ones in the trenches executing all of this. So if you're wanting to learn firsthand how the best in the business take the vision in their mind, and turn that into a reality, this is for you. Uh, originally, this was delivered as a web class with video and slides. So if you want to see the slides, move on over to YouTube. If you're in the car, you're on the move, you just have an earbud in or whatever, this will still totally make sense as just audio as well. Last thing, we are giving away our Breakthrough Academy one page strategic planning tool, which is what these two used to build their plan. So it's very plug and play. It's ready to use. It's yours for free. You can download that using the link in the description. So I hope you enjoy. Let's dive in. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome
0: to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting.
1: So let's get to our guests. We have Dave Fraser with with Birchwood Landscapes, Matt Hambrick with Georgia Landscapes. Dave, let's start with you. Tell tell us a bit about um, your business, maybe your story with Breakthrough Academy, where you live,
2: what you're up to. Who are you? All right. Thanks, Benji. Good to be on here and uh, hi to everyone out there. Um, So uh, obviously, Birchford Landscapes, we're a landscape contractor. Uh, We are based in Langley, BC, just outside of Vancouver. Uh, We've been in business uh, since 2017, Uh, joined BTA in 2020. Uh, So we're just about to get into our third year here with BTA. Um, Historically, we've been mainly a design, build, install company, uh, specializing in a lot of hardscapes, uh, landscape renovations, new builds. That kind of thing, um, based on some uh, strategic planning we undertook uh, early last year, um, we refocused more on strata maintenance, um, which uh, for our American friends would be HOAs, uh, multifamily uh, developments. Um, uh, we've made that about fifty percent of our business at the moment. So in a year, we've gone; it was about ten percent of our business. Now it's fifty. Uh, we have plans to take it to seventy percent of our of our uh, overall revenue next year. Um, so, yeah, and that's all based on some fun, uh, fun times we had in Arizona with BTA last year during our strategic planning sessions. Um, so yeah, that's where that's we're at. Awesome.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, one thing guys that I, I think is a, a great example here of what we're talking about is like, you can see these data points at the bottom, 2022, um, was doing 80 percent install 20 percent maintenance next year it's going to be very different like there's a really pronounced change to the operation their the market they're going after uh the, the procedures they're going to need to follow to do that efficiently and that is going to be made possible through a very clear strategic plan um and so we're kind of we'll, we'll bring that to life in a few minutes when we get into the round table but Dave provides a great example of, of, you know, what becomes available and the large moves that you can make when when you do a good job, a great job of this. Um, Matt, tell us about you and, and Georgia Landscape and, and welcome.
3: Thank you, uh, Matt Hambrick, owner, of Georgia Landscape. So based on the chat box, there's not many of us that are in the south. So uh, we're uh, we're a landscape maintenance and design build company looks a little different than most of y'all up north because we're a little more year-round than y'all would be. Um, We're a medium-sized company, peak season, we're around 62-63 people. Uh, This is my third year in BTA and uh, I would probably say uh, we've been around a long time. This is our 30th year in February and we probably spent most of those 30 years like a lot of people So I'm a really good landscape architect. I'm a really good landscaper, a good sales guy, but I didn't learn much about running a business until maybe the last 10 years just started with that. So strategic planning for us is something that's helped us begin to move the needle. Uh, We're not perfect at it yet, but we've learned a lot about it. Um, I have nothing dramatic like you do, Dave, like you're basically flipping your business from one to the other, but, but for us, I would tell you, um, We've had a couple thorns in our side for the last, uh, I bet, 10 years plus that I think through strategic planning, we've kind of finally have a path to solve those. I'm pretty excited about doing some stuff about that next year. It's been really been stuff that we said we wish we would get better at this. We we we'd like to get better at this, but we really haven't until maybe this year really set a concrete enough plan to do some stuff about that.
1: Awesome yeah i'm uh, I'm excited for you to dive in and, and, and show us your' actually like the, the strategic plan you built you built for last year what was hit what was missed um that will be neat to see one of the um one of the things I think entrepreneurs are just unbelievably good at is like you, you guys are all hardwired for visionary thinking like you see opportunities that others don't um you're very creative. Uh, you think big picture, and those are real gifts. One thing that I would make the case a large majority of entrepreneurs struggle with is communicating that vision. So it's very clear in your mind. Let me know in the chat box if this makes sense to you. It's very, very clear in your mind. It's just a crystal clear picture. Um, But you're often left with this feeling like the team doesn't really get it. Uh, Certain people don't really know their contribution towards it. And so there can be this very real frustration where it's like, oh, my God, you guys, don't you don't you get it? It's so clear. And it it really isn't. And so today's today's whole conversation is about extracting that vision from the mind into something that's very workable uh, that the team can help you execute with. And this is a big part of of, um, how we help business owners move through the growth zone. This is where Breakthrough Academy lives. This is what we do. We help out entrepreneurs uh, who are coming out of that grassroots level and, and really setting their sites higher, move through to an enterprise level business uh, much quicker with fewer mistakes, more fun, a sense of community around them, a coach to guide them, all that stuff. And, and strat planning is a big part of that. So you guys are in the right place. If you're, you're feeling a few things, if your plan for next year, just feels fuzzy, unclear, it's low resolution. It's not an HD picture. You have some loose thoughts, some ideas, but, uh, but, but, it's, it's not as detail, detailed or crystallized as you'd, as you'd like it to be. If it lives entirely in your head, you're in the right place. If you're feeling like you lack team buy-in, like maybe, you, maybe you've maybe you done all this. Maybe you actually have done some writing, but like no one really cares. Uh, that's a very real situation. We're going to talk a bit about that later. Uh, or if you have shoved the plan to the back burner many, many times over, uh, and it's one of these, oh, I'll get to it next month, I'll get to it next year type things. Now I want to hear from you guys. So I'm going to actually just keep my eye on the chat box here. Cause this is a great question and there's a there's 300 people in here. So I, th- I think we're going to get some interesting answers. What's the biggest mate? What's the biggest move that you want to make in your business in 2023? What is that thing that you're like, Hmm, I think that we'd be way better off over the long run if we did X, right? Like what is, what is that implementation item? That new market you want to expand into, that new key role you want to hire. Maybe it's a system or a piece of technology you want to implement. What's the thing? And try to be specific. Like, if you can if you can be uh, d- detailed with the answer, it would really help. So I've got some really great stuff coming in. Securing commercial contracts, hiring a project manager, more commercial work, the implementation of systems, need to get better at hiring laborers, add an additional crew or two. We're lacking employees. Implementing AccuSalt Measurer. Huh. Never heard of that. It's probably like a road salter. Hire a salesmen, Move into more government contracts. Long-term stable employees with good experience. There's like some great stuff here, guys. Really good stuff. Reduce owner's input by five hours per year over the next five years. Right? Hey, John. Oh, John Malinchuk's here. Hey, John. Good to see you. Establishing and setting up a new CRM, HubSpot, or JobNimbus. Both great options. Okay. I can't read all these. We don't have time, but these are amazing. I want you to hold this very, very front of mind as we go through today. And I am also going to, there's a two part question. I want you to, I want you to answer this on the heels of what I just asked you. What score out of 10 would you give yourself when you're analyzing The plan to get that thing you just put in the chat box is that a is it is it a hope or a dream or it's just kind of like wishful thinking that would be like a one or a two or a three or is it like no I have this dialed in with the people I'm going to need the resources required timelines established some accountability systems in place to make sure this happens give yourself a report card when it comes to this and the realer the better. We got some ones, yay, some twos, good. We got some sevens, we got some threes, we got some twos and threes. We should really give out some, some. Aaron, we should like send out some hats to all of our ones and twos and threes and just say thanks for being real. It's one of our core values. Okay, so no matter where you are on this spectrum, like if you're in the one, two, three range, I want you to take copious notes, listen very carefully. If you're like seven, eight, nine, 10, you're feeling pretty good. I think where you can really get value is in some of the detail that Dave and Matt are going to explore when they actually show their strategic plans, as well as using the tools that we're going to make available. No matter where you're at on the spectrum, there's going to be something here for you today. Let's get into things without further ado. So um, this is the part where I start talking a lot less. You're all going to be like, oh, thank God, finally. Um, And we're going to hear from Matt and Dave. So Matt, I'll start with you on this one. Take us back to the era in your business before you had a plan. Do you remember what that was like?
3: Oh yeah, probably wasn't that long ago, and I'm I'm not sure I want to give you my score on the one to ten scale too, by the <laughs> way, because I'm still pretty critical. Uh, you know, I th- I thought about some stuff. So we had a good month if we sold some stuff and we got some work done. If if we felt productive, um, if we got to the end of the month that we had money in the bank, that was that was good. Um, if we got it into end of the month and there wasn't much money in the bank, things were bad. I, I would tell you my accountant told me at the end of the year if we made any money or not. Um, because it, I'm not sure even 10... Uh, we probably didn't have a budget 12 years ago. Maybe, maybe 10 or 12 years is where we first started even budgeting, even before we started doing a plan. So uh, I feel like you're just working really hard. Uh, it's really hard to measure success. I'm, I'm a sales guy. So if we're selling stuff, I feel like life's going good, but it really doesn't, it doesn't tell the tale. So it's emotional. A lot of emotions.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like chaotic and, and messy? Uh, like and, you know, maybe it's still a certain, maybe it still feels that way at times today, but did, was there a pronounced difference in terms of just like the overall sense of control you felt you had over the organization?
3: Um, you know, when it was little bitty, I probably felt like I had some control, even though we didn't have much of a strategic plan. But as it grew, it felt like thing everything was getting out of control. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you can see everybody and see everything, it seems to be a lot easier. As you start to grow and you don't have that, it does feel just it's chaos, it's firefighting, there seems to be no fire prevention. I'm just going from problem to problem to problem to problem.
1: Right. Perfect. Um Dave, Dave, same same question to you. Like, well, what was your version of this question? That that era in your business before you had a plan.
2: So, before before Birchwood was a thing, uh, I when I was twenty years old in two thousand six, I started a, a a company with a with a buddy of mine that we just went around and and trimmed people's hedges. Uh, We had a great time, we did that for 10 years, Um, it was a lot of fun, it was no stress, it was just me and him together, uh, making a modest living and uh, wasn't much of a company. Uh, We started dabbling a bit of install work, so then we decided, hey, we can do this, right? We can do this, we can do pavers, we can do retaining walls. Uh, So in 2017, I decided to make that my primary focus uh, and grow into a real company. Um, We already had a decent client base, so uh, we grew fairly quickly. Uh, By the end of uh, 2019, we were doing a million in in revenue, Uh, but it was a dysfunctional mess. It was like zero financial tracking, very little focus. We just took whatever job was thrown at us and figured it out. Um, You know, I remember watching YouTube videos on how to build a deck uh, before going into my first (laughs) deck building quote. And uh, it was real fly by night for a million dollar company. Um, and I had no idea whether, what we were making money at, what we weren't. Um, I knew we were doing okay, but overall it was, uh, I couldn't tell you what stuff was actually producing and what stuff wasn't. Um, so I joined BTA 2020, uh, after that, after that 2019 year. Um, and the first time I did a strategic plan with BTA, it was rough. It was, uh, I had no data. I had to guess on almost everything. And I got most of it very, very wrong. Um, and uh, but I look back on it, that first plan was probably my most important one because it gave me insight into what I needed to track and what I wanted to track, and what our goals should be moving forward. Um, so going through that year, that first year in BTA, I just gained so much um, insight is the best word for it into into you know the direction our company needs to go and uh, what we need to track in order to make sure that we're staying on track so um, you know yeah well i just i just wanted to uh i didn't mean to interrupt,
1: interrupt you there i um, hope i didn't there was t- t- like two two things that really kind of shone through on on uh both of those examples like both matt and dave were kind of saying the same thing about when it's when the business is really nascent and really new and fairly small like the need for this is not that obvious maybe you've write some numbers on a poster and say, we want to sell, you know, $300,000 worth of whatever this year. It doesn't need to be all that um, sophisticated. But as your company grows, which it inevitably does, because you do good work and you work very hard, the need for this infrastructure becomes like very palpable. Like you can really tell. And you could, I feel like that's just such a common theme with all the stuff we talk about at Breakthrough Academy. Strategic planning is one thing, but you could say the same thing about your financial controls, about your organizational structure, about your recruiting and hiring systems. There's just so much that needs to evolve with your business. And what's, I think a very real experience is the business grows first, and then you're kind of catching up with the systems after. Um, and the other thing that you just said, Dave, is like it's rough at first. Like the first, your your first time at this, it's not super accurate. You're kind of making some educated guesses. It's not going to be perfect. And I would just say to everyone on this today, like when you go and if you're if this is your first time trying this, like take it easy on yourself. You know, you're you're not gonna nail it first time. You're you're gonna be making some, you know, some some educated guesses you're going to be, there's going to be some spots to this system. Like I actually have no idea what to put here. That's totally fine. Something is better than nothing. And like a lot of things in business, this is a skill that develops over time. Year one, you're, there's some question marks. Year two, you're getting better at it. Year three, you're, you're pretty dialed at this whole process. And if there's any BTA members um, in the chat box attending this, maybe you can like, just let us know if, if, if that resonates with you, where it's like really hard at first, you know i've had 3 3 rounds of this i'm i'm getting a lot better now um i want to ask you guys a question about your your process around this so um dave what is your how, how do you focus and build a detailed annual plan can you t- can you walk us through what you reflect on the data you review how you carve out the time to do this the actual build out process of the one page strategic plan take us through it
2: Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, based on our market and, and our business doing landscaping in Vancouver, uh, we do get a lot of slowdown in the winter time, uh, which works out well for, for us. You know, I have a lot more time and flexibility in the winter months. Um, we do snow removal, but anyone who lives in Vancouver knows that that's not very often. Um, uh, so I shut down the whole company between Christmas and New Year's for two weeks. Um, and that's when I always do my annual plan. Um, and I break it up over a couple days. I like to do a big review of the previous year, uh, go over all, all the plan from last year and how it evolved throughout the year, what we did well, what we didn't do well, uh, lots of drivers and restrainers on, on uh, those things. Um, so I'll spend, a, I'll spend one day doing just the review. Uh, then I like to shut down and then start up again the next day with the, with the planning for the next year. It gives me, it gives me kind of a fresh start. I can digest everything that I've gone over. Um, and, uh, and yeah, those sessions run about four to six hours each, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and you could, you could break it up even further. It's not, not uh, you know, it's not an exact science. It's just getting, getting the time to do it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest thing is just focus. I shut my phone off. Uh, I disable email notifications. Uh, I just, I need to do that in order to focus and not, not get dragged back into the day-to-day stuff. So do uh, you feel like, do you feel like you like
1: literally have to use a different part of your brain for this exercise than like your day-to-day management part of your brain? I don't know if that question makes sense. Like you need a clear headedness. You need like a big picture thinking thing that I, I feel like is so
2: hard to access when you're just stuck in the grind. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, am a little bit more out of the day-to-day now, so I tend to do a lot more strategic thinking now just on a regular basis. Um, but definitely it's a different, uh, we'll get into it later when we talk about my team meetings and things like that. It's, it goes to your team too, to uh, when you, when it comes time to implement it with your team, pulling them out of the day-to-day stuff um, is, is huge because it's very easy to get distracted and bogged down in what's going on right, right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Matt, uh, was, sorry, Dave, was there anything else you wanted to add to this? To no, this no, I
2: guess the, the other thing I was just going to say is having data, having objective data is huge. The preparation, you asked about the preparation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just getting the data. So that's why the first time you do it, it's tough. Um, but learning what stuff you need to track and what stuff you need to look look, up, look out for. Uh, really helps like my uh my strategic plan um starts you know it's 12 pages long um, and uh and eight, eight, six of that is the review six of that is the plan so I guess six through through six pages of numbers and and things that I'm looking at kpis that I want to know uh to get get more insight on how the year went Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think that um I think that review and reflection
1: stage is a really really important one and and you know if if this is your first time doing it you may not have as large or robust a data set to look at as you would a few years into this but anything that you can find even even stuff as simple as just like what was my annual revenue what was our what was our a success ratio when it came to selling what was our average job size anything that you can get in front of you will give you some foundation to make some more informed decisions about next year um so you know as as you guys will see when we get into actually showing the plans you'll see these are extremely detailed they contain a ton of numbers um and that's definitely the direction we want to move in over time matt same question to you how do you focus and build a detailed annual plan
3: um So we tried to do this before BTA, by the way. Uh, This guy gave me this book called Traction. Probably a lot of people have read it. And we sort of did it just like that. And it wasn't wasn't terrible. Uh, But we wound up with no prep, like you were talking about, Dave. Uh, You know, all the the getting the data to have ahead of time. We didn't have any of that. So we wound up with a bunch of pie-in-the-sky goals that really (laughs) – if we hit 25% of it, that was really good. So it felt kind of cool in the moment, but it just didn't work. Um, the, for us, I think the prep starts long ahead of time. We do track some numbers at our weekly meetings that are our key KPI. some of our key numbers that we track uh, the stuff that's red. Most, I said, we use red and green. So red numbers are bad. Green numbers are good. So, Uh, The stuff that tends to trend red tends to be the stuff that causes us problems. So it it gives us a little bit of insight on what we need to work with and work toward. Um, Benji, y'all have us doing BTA, this strategic plan prep sheet, like a review. Yeah. Okay. It's horrible. So I'm going to sell BTA really well. But it is so tough because it takes a long time to go through it. You got to put a bunch of data into it. I, I usually get halfway through it and then I say, Oh God, I really, but I get to the end of it and the analysis piece is worth every minute you spend. So it's time you should be, it's tough to make you do it. Uh, having a coach that sort of pushes you to do it is a big deal that's helpful to us. Um, so we do a lot of prep ahead of time. I do a lot of prep ahead of time. I go spend a weekend by myself before we do our strategic planning meeting because I'm a, so i don't do well in the office if i'm trying to think strategically i need to get away get my mind clear so i'll go do that and then we do a two-day deal with our leadership team which is just three of us um we do a couple days we get off site i mean i know a lot of people do it on site it's too we are too distractible to do it on site um Dave, you were talking about phones. We will have our phones, but we we keep them face down and don't check them until we have breaks. Uh, one, of the, okay, one of the biggest things to prep is the people that are in the meeting with you, they need to do a really good job of making sure that your team can operate for two days without you. Because mm-hmm. if you're trying to deal with a day-to-day and you're trying to do this and people are calling you all of this stuff. So there's a lot of hard work I think that goes into it just to make sure that you can have the time clear. I do think that's a really big deal. I think we did that better this year than we ever did, although we probably still didn't do it perfectly. Um, We get off site. We do not spend the whole time in the office um, or or a conference room somewhere that we rented. Uh, We started this year. One of my big thorns in my side is landscape care quality, landscape maintenance quality. So we're pretty good, but we're not consistent across the board. Uh, our five-year BHAG, you know, big goal is is to have that really great. So we actually did a field trip. We, there's two or three places in Atlanta that have stunningly great maintenance. So I took my key people down to these two or three places uh, visual. Hey, this is in five years, this is what all of our stuff needs to look like. This is, this is the goal. So I think it helps us. We're visual. I'm a visual person to have a visual goal from that. Uh, And then we do spend a lot of time. We look at it like uh, if you took a map of a trail or something like that, Hey, this is where I want to be in five years. Um, Dave, I think what you said that the data and the analysis is the X on the trail where you are today. And our job is to figure out how to get from that X to, to our goal. And we, we get very general on year three and four and year two, but year one get, we get really specific. Um, we set steps and things that need to happen. Um, Everything that needs to happen, we call a rock of some sort, but uh, it's got an owner. It's got a date that it's due. It's got clarity around exactly what's supposed to be formed. And we try not to leave that session until we're 100% done. We finished it. We try not to have homework when we leave there. Um, I find that if we don't detail all the items and all the to do's for everybody Uh, it might take three weeks before we get back to that so if we could do it before we leave we do treat it as a work session
1: i think um that comment you just made about the three four five year time horizon being very general not super detailed there's there's some there's probably a bit of a vision that you have for where you want to be but you're you're not super rigid in terms of like the exact, you know, decimal points. Um, Whereas on an annual basis, it's, it is that detail. That's, it gives you some flex where it's like medium to long-term. This is where I'd like to be. Um, There's some, there's some wiggle room in case the market changes. My priorities change. The team evolves. Some unexpected stuff happens, which if you, you've been in business for any time at all, you know, that that is a guarantee but over the short term, it becomes it becomes a bit more rigid. And when we dive into these plans in a sec, you're going to see exactly what I mean. Um, OK, here's a great question, Matt. I'll go to you on this first. And you just met, I'll set this up this way. You just mentioned you know, I, I I peel off for a couple of days to get my mind right. Maybe it's like a cabin in the woods. Maybe it's like some secret lair that you go to to really like, you know, think strategically and build all this <laughs> stuff out. Now here's a I've had this happen to me before where I go and do that and you you know you you spend a couple of days just really in your mind and building this thing that you're super excited about and you come back to your team like a like a like a grade schooler at show and tell and you're like look at this cool thing that I made I'm so excited aren't you and then everyone looks at you and they're like sweet man I'm glad you had a couple couple of fun days I'm going to get back to work now Like there's a buy-in thing that really matters here. That's hard to do, especially if you just kind of unilaterally in a very top down fashion, make this. So there's, I think a few different solutions to this problem, but what have you found effective when it comes to fostering team buy-in? And by that guys, what I really mean is like having a team that's excited and committed about this plan and these goals rather than just a group that goes, huh? So that's the question, Matt, we'll start with you. How do you foster team buy-in? Uh,
3: so we, what we've done is we've not done that very well historically. I think we've gotten a little better at it. So what we try to do this year is um, we put our, okay, BHAG, I found that nobody on my team knew what that was, so big, hairy, audacious goal. So five-year goal, Where we, where we're going to be five years from today. We put that out there to everybody on the team and we did it repeatedly. And I think there's, there's two things that we tried to do with that. So a, why it's better for the company for us to get here and have all these things, but, um, what's in it for me. So I do think that unless there's a Benji, if you work for me, unless there's something in it for you, I mean, it might be great. You might want to be part of something, um, but I do think you have to know why it's better for you. So we do try to paint. Uh, I'm an illustration guy. I'll do a whole lot of imagine. Imagine if you had half the number of client complaints, what would your day look like? Ima- you know, imagine if you didn't have to go put out fires from all this stuff because we were doing better quality. What would your day look like? Mm. I do a lot of that. Um, I'm a stupid illustration guy. Um so this year for everybody before before this uh, and as we were laying it out, um, I've got this little sheep hunting illustration. And I'll, I'll dress up in my hunting clothes in my backpack and i go through the whole deal, which is kind of silly. And it makes me feel very, uh, very self-conscious. What are they thinking as they look at me? But I've done that a couple times. And I think if you're repeated with it, it but there's a there's a hey, it's going to be hard. You need to understand it's going to be hard. There's a cost to this. But there's a big benefit for all of us and you in particular, if you can just endure a little bit of discomfort, work a little bit to get to here. Um, I think the other thing is you got to tell everybody where you're going, why you're going over and over and over, because if you're just doing it top down, uh, it doesn't help. We asked all of our team members, starting with our field team members, um we laid out our our BhaG, our five year goal, and we said, okay, what is two, give me two suggestions that you think would help us get there? What should we do to help us get there? So we got input from everybody. Uh, amazingly, we got some really good input from from some folks on stuff that we hadn't even thought about that weren't self-centered, hey, I'd like to make more money. If you paid more, we could do better, but really good stuff from folks so.
1: I think that the what's in it for me question is an important one. And if for those of you um, that like this challenge really resonates where you you, the the team buy in thing in particular, I I would really try to in, in your communicating with the team, either when you're talking to them as a group or you're talking to individual contributors one on one, it gets a lot easier when you when you when you frame the strategic plan in terms of their world and their pain points and what they go through on a daily, weekly basis. And that's what he means. So that means by the what's in it for me question, another way to put it would be like, I like to think of like the salesmanship of leadership. Like when you're in a position of power and you're calling the shots, a huge part of your job is selling ideas to your team, the way that you sell contracts to your clients like you do need to speak to their pain. And like he just said, start with why this is why we're doing this. This is how it's going to make your life easier over the long run. I realize it's going to take some extra work this year over the short term. But look at this picture, this image, this exciting, um, this exciting new version of our work life that becomes available when all of this gets done and we make the commitment. The other, um, the other comment and I saw someone ask this in the chat box so I think I'll we'll just answer it now because it's, it's it doesn't take long to address is who who participates in in strategic planning, right? So one of the one of the ways that at Breakthrough Academy we make this we kind of solve this is just we make strategy for everyone. At least everyone that wants to be a part of it. There's going to be people on your team who are just like, "You know what?" that's a, you guys problem. You just tell me what to do. I'm good with that. They don't need to be there, but anyone that wants to have input, that wants their voice to be heard, that wants their ideas to uh, be considered, you know, involve them in the planning in some way. If you, if you can't, you know, afford or your business is too large to take everyone to that cabin in the woods, then don't do that. But maybe you could have a survey that's done the week before about like, Hey, you and your role, what do you want for next year? And, and, use that to inform the decisions that you make. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do everything that your team suggests. And if you've, you know, if you're a contractor, you know, there's some pretty kooky ideas that come from your foreman and your laborers and your sales team. And you're like, uh love the thought, but I think we're not going to do that. That actually doesn't matter. You don't need to do everything that they say. It's, it's the consideration that I think really makes the team feel heard. And when plan does get laid out and it's time to go execute, there's, a way higher level of uh, of care and concern that they have with it. So really great thoughts, Matt. Thank you for sharing. Dave, same question to you what what have you thought? Here's a photo of you and your team on a golf course it looks like.
2: What, what have you found effective when it comes to fostering team buy-in at Birchwood? I was laughing at your last comment there because I have I have a guy who actually was my was my very first hire. Uh, he comes to me almost daily with these crazy ideas for everything, like yeah. from tools we need to buy to new protocols. And, and at some time, at some point you're just kind of, yeah, yeah, great. I'll, I'll think about it. Um, but he keeps, keeps coming up with them. And one in one in 20 are good. I'd say Yeah, one in 20 is a slam dunk
1: <laughs> 19 <are laughs> yeah. or not, not to be taken seriously.
2: Yeah. I, I think uh, a lot of what Matt said, I agree with completely, where repetition and inclusion are two big things, uh, including your team in, in, uh, in whatever decisions you can. Like I was just saying, it's hard to, you can't just, you know, have every employee have their input be like, okay, we're doing that. Um, but there's ways to show them the plan, get input, um, things like that, while still maintaining that leadership role and be like, okay, at the end of the day, it's going to be my call. Um, but I want to hear everyone's input on it. Um, it's, it can be awkward the first time you approach your team with new ideas or, or strategic planning. And, uh, but if you push a lot of things often and repeat, um, it'll start to sink in. Uh, Matt was talking about the BHAG. Uh, I have a similar idea around core values. We, we reference our core values all the time, and it becomes a, a, a theme in the company where guys are shouting each other out for core values on site, you know, I've heard them. So quoting our core core values on site and uh, yeah, it's good. It does sink in. Even if they laugh at first, even if it's everyone thinks it's just a bunch of marketing uh, lingo, but uh, it works out. Um, If you, if you're repetitive and if you include them, um, it's hard for them to focus on the big picture sometimes when they're worrying about what they need to do today. Um, so that's where I was going to talk about our staff meeting. So I, I really like our monthly staff meetings. We do, uh, it's one of the meetings that we do. We uh, meet up in a boardroom once a month in the morning. Um, we serve coffee and breakfast. We spend two to three hours with the whole team. I have a much smaller company than that. So it's easier to get everyone into one, one boardroom. Um, but. Uh, it's a hard rule that we do not talk about current projects or tasks. We don't talk about what's going on today or this week. Um, You know, it it helps them keep on track with big picture thinking. Um, It's a structured meeting. We use a slideshow. Um, I've modeled it after our BTA meetings that we do. Um, And, you know, I'll uh, review core values. We showed each other out for demonstrating them. Uh, Then we go into the strategic plan. We discuss it. What are we doing to push towards those goals? Um, what do we need to be doing? Um, you know, another fellow BTA member, um, you know, had a, a thought that you know, what do we, what do we keep doing? What do we stop doing? And what do we start doing? And, mm-hmm. and that that's uh, that's important to think of those three things. I I start, we... start, stops, and keeps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will, I, I we, mixed up the we'll order. There. That. Maybe we'll get into
1: that, and in when we actually show the plans, that's a, that's a great little like framework. It's like something that we need to start doing because we're not doing it, something that we need to stop doing because it's making our life hard and something right. that we are doing that we want to continue doing because it's awesome. Uh, sure. We often add those to the one page strat plans. Sure. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, no, Where, where okay. are we going with
2: that. I, I like doing a theme for each meeting too, uh, which is usually something related to our, our current goals. So uh, in the spring, one of the themes might be recruiting. Uh, when things are busy and hectic and everyone's stressed out, it might be team satisfaction. Uh, where we will sit down and talk about them and and what they are getting out of the company and what they want to get out of the company, uh, and we just have an honest, in depth, open conversation about it. And again, it's like not not what job is going on this week. It's 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 only big picture stuff. I think that's a
1: really interesting rule that you've implemented about not talking about because that's just so easy to do. It's just so easy to whine about like the client that you're stuck on who's a pain in the ass
2: um, because. Totally. First couple meetings, it was like the first half hour of the meeting was them just chatting about what they need to be doing that week. And <clears throat> I that mindset. I want to ask a follow up
1: question on this. Um, what has this level of involvement, both with the creation of the plan, but then also you're saying on a monthly basis, you're getting the team together to talk about stuff, talk about bigger picture stuff. Have you felt a difference in your retention? Something that everyone is talking about right now is the labor market, you know finding employees and then there's as much noise about keeping employees, you know people come, but they go it's a revolving door. Have either of you maybe I'll start with you um Dave, but Matt if you if you want to comment on this too, feel free to chime in. like have you noticed a difference in terms of like the level of like long term like people are now, committed to some degree to what you guys are doing because they, they they're creating it with you have you actually noticed a difference in your ability to keep a players attract more a players like that's another component of this is just like really your employer brand and your ability to team build when this is done well
2: any thoughts on that dave yeah i mean absolutely like you just said i'm really proud of our retention um i i mean our, you talk about b our our my b is to be the most sought after landscape company in my market to work for. It's not the most profitable, not everything else. I've always thought that if you create an environment, um, as contractors are the only product we sell is skilled labor. I mean, we don't, we don't make something, uh, to sell it's it's, they're the most important part of the company in my mind. And, keeping them, um, and keeping them happy is, is important. I go too far with it, admittedly, (laughs) where I will, uh, I, I try and be, uh, too good to them. Maybe sometimes (laughs) I don't know if the right word for it. Um, but, uh, I'm really proud of our retention. We have, we have, I have someone that's been with me since he was my first hire. And I have several other people that have been with me for five, six years. Um, and those are my leadership team and they are really invested. They really care. Um, and it's a, you know, we can get into it. I think later on, uh, we're going to talk about it, but the open book management is a big thing involving Mm -hmm. them in, at a deeper level into the, into the business, um, Mm -hmm. is good. You're always going to have people come and go for various reasons. Um, but it's good to keep a core together, you know, like a successful sports team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah let's, let's keep moving. I just got my eye on the time here. Uh, one really, really quick, just quick, shameless plug for the podcast There's an episode that just came out with a guy named Alex Breckman. I can't remember the number, Aaron, maybe you can post it for me. It's called the three do's and the three don'ts of strategic planning. And uh, we talk a lot about this fostering team buy and piece. So if this is, if you have lingering questions about this, or you just want to go deeper. That's a great episode to consume. I think it's about 45 minutes and it's kind of all we talk about. Okay, let's uh, let's dive into these plans for a sec, Dave. We'll start with yours. We'll start with yours, and I'm going to leave PowerPoint for one second, and I'm going to open this up. Now, let me give give a very quick summary for all of you guys. I know this is hard to see. I'm going to zoom in at certain points so it becomes much more visible, but I just want to kind of show this to you zoomed out for a second. Um, This will be available for download at the end. There's sort of a fill in the blanks template where you can create your own version of this. Uh, so make sure you you, you grab that and, and between now and Christmas and New Year's, take the time to do this, right? But basically how we organize this is in quadrants. So you can see on this top left corner, this is like your foundation quadrant, as it says up here. This is big pictures of this is your why, your purpose, your BEHAG, right? That five-year vision that gets you really excited. It's a place to put your core values and it's a place to put your tactics to integrate the core values into the business then we move into into like an annual goal setting section where we actually think of revenue numbers we want to hit profit numbers we want to hit um other super super core implementation items that that we need to see happen uh for the benefit of the business long term so now we're kind of thinking on a on a yearly basis and then we move into actual quarters so over here on the right you can see q1 here are the key things to hit in the first three months of the year. Q two, there's a different set of things. Q three, Q four, etc. Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand, hand the mic back to you. I think we talked offline, you know you mentioned core values being a big thing. Maybe you can talk a little bit values, uh, tactics to integrate, and then any other like really important goals uh, that stand out to you on this page. Let's
2: try to keep it to like three or four minutes sure yeah i like think i mentioned I could, you talk core values. To. <laughs> I could talk core values for a long time i i didn't have any core values until my market the my friend who's a marketing consultant who helped me uh, set up our website and stuff he came to me back at the beginning of 2020 and said what are your core values you gotta we gotta come up with some core values um now we use them all the time uh, we use them for hiring it's all over our website uh the number one thing i get when people are 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 um, applying for the job is uh, i checked out your core values i really i really relate to them and that's the one thing i that's one thing that i really look for when i'm hiring people too um and like i said earlier we we have our crew shouting them out all the time um you know the first two i like to think are our field field related you know obviously walk the talk and dig deep you know those are uh basically around work ethic and and doing what we promise. um And, uh, join forces that, uh, leads right into the BTA mentality of, I, I really enjoy networking with other landscapers, getting to know other landscapers, sharing thoughts and ideas. Um, I'm really an open book as far as
1: your market company.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We go for lunches. I have several guys, uh, and girls that we go for lunch all the time. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's helpful. You know, there's, there's, uh. You know, it's a mindset of abundance thing. There's plenty of work to go around, and I'm more interested in kind of raising the bar in the whole industry, um, which I fear can have a bit of a bad rap sometimes. Totally. One of the things that we do,
1: I I think this is unique to us. Maybe, Maybe there's other versions of this that do it as well, but I think that one thing we're really good at at Breakthrough Academy is this tactics to integrate the values. So it's not... One of the things with core values and the reason some people maybe think they're kind of fluffy or it's just a marketing exercise is people just pick kind of like, you know, f- f- fancy five dollar words from a thesaurus and go, those are our core values. And they throw them on a poster and like really inevitably people end up not caring about them. They're just they're literally just words on a wall. And so what these tactics are, these are actual focuses, things that we're going to do tactically to make sure that these values are lived out in our business. So in the, for, for Dave's example, like we are marketing hard. On, this is for employment, uh, employee recruitment. This is one of his tactics. We're marketing hard on Instagram to recruit new staff, prioritize culture and values over skills and experience. Always be recruiting. Setting an example, this is another one. Our leadership team is a good example of dig deep and we have built accountability systems to encourage that throughout the company. So there's some actual thought here that goes into ta- making the values real. And, and not just some fluff on the wall. Um, so we'll go two minutes over, but I don't mind because this is important. The goal setting stuff. Remember, we mentioned at the beginning, you're making a really large shift, heavy install component to a more heavy maintenance install. So that's maybe just take us through the goals that are here. And, and if you could briefly just speak to, I think it'd be interesting for the audience to know, like, why? Like, why, why are you making this change? And maybe briefly go over the plan to make that happen.
2: I, I saw I noticed some trends, I guess, um, and there's market trends and there's also just internal trends of what we were good at, what me as a leader uh, was good at. And I just found that we were less and less, uh, uh, um, I don't know, t- uh, tied to constru- the construction division sure. I'm for the right word, um, where the install crew just I just wanted more consistency, uh, the labor market. Uh, training, uh, anyone who does both sides, the install and maintenance will know that it's a lot easier, uh, in our area, Anyway, to find maintenance people, it's a lot easier to train maintenance people. Mm. Um, it's consistent, uh, heading into a recession. You know, I heard a lot about that at the beginning of this year and, uh, it started to worry me because we don't do a lot of new builds. We do a lot of, uh, home renovation for residential clients. And, um, that that area is very tied to the economy i mean there's always going to be people with money to spend on that but um it was just becoming a little tougher i could see in 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 my forecasts um so and then just for my personality i just i feel like it it lends itself to maintenance a little bit more it's just a very different mindset so guys i hope you're getting all this like this
1: is really like just really smart entrepreneurial like like operator thinking like what Dave is saying is, hey, there could be a shifting market. I'd like to be a little bit insulated from new construction because historically speaking, that's the one that tanks. You know, We'll take those jobs if we can get them, but I don't want all my eggs in one basket. So those are captured right here in the goals. He's got critical numbers attached. And then what's really cool is the quarterly goals are deeply aligned with those annual uh, – sorry, the quarterly rocks are deeply aligned with those annual goals. So everything here – Makes sense. It's very linear. Going back to that idea that, that Matt brought up earlier. Like we 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 mark X on the map, but now we need to build build the path to get there. That's done quarterly. And um this right side of the whole document, which you guys are gonna get, this is a living, breathing thing. This can and will change throughout the year, right, Dave? It's not like you just like write it up in December and then everything goes perfectly. You're gonna need to course correct. And so this is when we say it's like. Big picture, it's a little bit more general. Uh, you know, annual is a little bit more detailed. And then quarterly, it's like super detailed and even reactive at times. Like this is how we take large, uh, you know, grandiose, big visions, big ideas and break them down into manageable chunks that the team can now help us execute on. Um, Let's
2: any any just closing comments here on your strat plan, Dave no i mean you just captured that's the only other thing i wanted to say is that it it, i do consider it a living document uh less so on the left side i I like to think that the left side is like a snapshot of what my thinking was at the beginning of the year you know this one was done in january of 2022 uh the right side though yeah i I will adapt it uh as the year goes on if things change but um and i also review it every month before my monthly meetings and that helps me pick out themes and things that needs to that we need to discuss I can look at these things and immediately, know, are we hitting those? Or are we missing them? Um, Guys, this
1: is really cool. In, in the note of like collaboration and like, like raising up the industry, like this is, I don't know. I just want to appreciate the moment. Like Dave is an actual landscaper in makeover sharing like his actual goals and numbers for next year. Like this is a pretty kind of, it's just like a cool thing. We get a maybe a digital round of applause for this level of openness and sharing. Like this is what we're about. And it's, I think it's so cool to have a look under the dash of another business. So thanks for sharing, Dave. Dave just did a really great demo on his plan for 2023. Now we're going to flip the script a little bit. Matt's going to show us what happened this past year, and we can kind of look retroactively at, at a strategic plan. So I'm going to open up Matt's. Same structure, right? Foundational stuff here, annual stuff here, uh, and then quarterly on on the right. Matt, what what are some of like, I think, what are the more important moments or metrics or things here in this plan that you'd like to highlight that you learned the most from looking back on it?
3: I think probably, they spent more time on the left side. I might spend more time on the right. So sure. the, where we've struggled in the past is following through and actually doing what we said we wanted to do. So all that green and red over there. So green means we set a goal and we hit it. Red means we didn't get it at all. Yellow, uh, yellow probably ought to be red cause it's, we sort of kind of got there. We deferred one or something like that. Um, so we're big we what we've always done pretty well is you said rocks. we call them red rocks. Um, so we actually paint these big rocks and put num put the goals on them and they sit in the middle of our conference room table and they're in our way until we get them out of the
0: like out actual of the way.
1: physical rocks.
3: Yeah I, I brought so this is <laughs>
1: like we oh yeah, have
3: this rock with the goal.
1: Can you throw Matt up on screen so we can see I- this we can see this literal rock.
3: I, I am stupidly visual and this is sort of <laughs> embarrassment. Uh, but but we put the rocks on screen, right? Uh, or we put the rocks on the conference room table and they get in the way. And if your rock's sitting there, I mean, you really, I mean, you don't want to have your goal. Everybody owns one of the goals. So you don't want your goal sitting there. So I think that helps us. Uh, I would say last year we did a decent job at picking out the the implementation items or the goals that we wanted to um, probably could have done a few things different as we look back and we have a plan to do it differently going forward. But the stuff that we didn't hit or the stuff that we didn't complete hurt us. Mm. The stuff that we, the stuff that's green helped us a lot, but some of that stuff that's there on red is uh, with some stuff that hurt.
1: Like the, like keeping your 60 day AR under 55 K. For example,
3: yeah. So, so that is uh, when it's over. That cash flow suffers, and we've had a fair amount of this year where that's been over that, mm-hmm. and it and it it makes it. You know, everybody hates cash flow, right? Cash flow struggles. Um, we were not very. We we finally. So that was a second quarter goal. I think we're finally there right now. Literally right now. So we're six months late getting to it. Uh, but we didn't, we didn't do, we didn't do anything. We stuck a goal up there and we said, we wish we would hit it. <laughs> we finally, we finally assigned it to the right person is how we got it solved.
1: And uh, what about this? What's the 130 pro- proposals for, is that lawn care clients? I'm assuming.
3: Uh, so Landscape care maintenance clients. Right. Um, okay. So we wanted to get 130 proposals out. Those are enhancement proposals because we were struggling on enhancement sales. We had lost a person or two during the year um, and we couldn't replace them fast enough because it's hard to find people. Mm. And the goal was if we get this many proposals out to people that we haven't done proposals for, um, it would probably close that gap. We we hit that goal. So that goal I think was due in July or August. Um, we actually got to that goal about September or early October. And since that time, it it did really correct the problem, but it hurt us in the middle. We lost a lot of revenue in the middle of summer that is probably that's going to make our bottom line this year not look like it should.
1: So I want to I want to wrap up this sort of like showing the uh, strategic plan section with a point like this, this whole idea of being able to look back and objectively assess, did we hit or did we not? And, you know, be optimistic and hope for the best, but also confront the brutal truth of things is a really powerful force for good when it becomes habitual. Like if year over year you have a habit of looking at what actually happened and and like readjusting your goals or priorities for the next year. This is how we. This is how we like see that those crazy numbers that I showed you a second ago: twenty-six percent revenue increase, forty-three percent net profit increase. It's because, like we say this a lot, what gets measured gets managed. When you're paying this close attention to it, things have a funny way of working out. Rather than just being like, "Wow, that was a gong show. We tried our best. We'll see if we can make some improvements next year." These are very specific things very specific things that Matt is talking about not just like general platitudes um and so I think I think the devil is in the details when it comes to this stuff and we just wanted to show you these to kind of give you a visual example of 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 what we mean by by details and so I want to thank you both for sharing we're gonna move back to PowerPoint here and uh, we're gonna wrap up with a couple really important questions we've touched on it a little bit um but i think there's more to discuss we'll start with you dave <clears throat> when it comes to accountability right how do you hold accountability with your team we can make these plans we can set these goals but then comes the actual challenge of, of managing human beings
2: who are not robots um what's worked for you i told you before i'd rather pass on this question but um <laughs> You know, I look at accountability and buy-in kind of differently. I, I like to think we're good at buy-in. Like we were talking earlier, like everyone seems on board um, at the moment. Um, you know, there's always a lot of excitement and optimism. Everyone seems ready to move forward with the goals. Uh, then the reality of day-to-day operations kick in, and it's super easy for everyone to slip back into old habits. Um, so that's that's probably the hardest part for us of this whole process mm-hmm. um, is than being able to hold people accountable for uh, sticking to the plan. You know, we can build the plan, we can get everyone excited about the plan, uh, but then it's it's preventing everyone from just drifting away from it. Um, so a few tactics that I that I've you know discovered over the last couple of years has been uh, definitely. I mean, our team meetings, like I touched on a whole bunch earlier. Um, we during those team meetings, we use KPIs and numbers. Um, to show them objective data and make it less personal. So a few people I noticed in the chat were asking what KPIs we use. I mean, gross profit is is a massive one for us. Um, Sales ratio is another one. Um, Return on investment on marketing. That's not necessarily a field work one, Um, but we really like to track our sources, our lead sources, and figure out what our ROI is on each lead source. Um, Those are important KPIs. uh, I also look at overhead percentage of revenue. Um, that's a big one for us. We've, I've in the past, I've let our overhead creep up with our uh, company trips and things like that. Um, it it uh, it can get up there pretty quick. Um, so those are some of the KPIs we use, and uh, we try and use those uh, the objective data to make it less personal, um, and then we hold open exp- um, discussions about it. Uh, if I've noticed things have gone off track or, um, you know, we'll have a good discussion about it as a group um, instead of just going after one person or one group of people, it's everyone, everyone kind of discusses it. We, we talk about drivers and restrainers. Mm-hmm. Um, so if something goes, well, what are the drivers behind it? That's more important than whether or not it went well. And same thing on the negative side is if uh, we didn't hit a gross profit goal for a month, why, you know, what are the restrainers there? Um, and I talked earlier about open book management. I know this won't work for everybody. Uh, like you said, Benji before, I think it's, it's a polarizing thing, but I've always done it and I, I like it. I make all my financial statements available to anyone. Most of them don't really under, they don't really, you know, care about it that much, but the higher level managers and things like that, they really do, you know, and they can see how the changes that, that we make can impact things. No. um i think there's two really
1: important points i want to highlight there you know when it comes to accountability it's very difficult to hold someone accountable to a, like a line that you never drew in the first place the one thing that we haven't really talked about today but um we, we do on other roundtables, is is one thing that dave would do and you should all consider this as well Is like he would he is like very detailed employment agreements for his staff with clear KPIs so that when someone is onboarded to be a technician, to be a foreman, to be an office manager, whatever, like there's clear results that need to be delivered. So that's like the expectation setting part. The second part, which makes it a lot easier is he has really good visibility into the data. So it's not a, it's not a feelings and a subjective conversation, well, I think you did this. And then they, she says, well, I think I did this. It's like, here are the numbers here is the here is the irrefutable truth of like what went well and what didn't this past year this past quarter let's have a conversation about that objectively in a very common cool fashion rather than getting into thoughts and feelings and emotions which um as you all know is is, is not a super effective way to hold someone accountable so people are always looking for tips and tricks i I gotta like hold my team accountable i gotta like i I need you know can you tell me how to have these conversations i'm looking for something that's going to make this easy and i always feel like the the it's not maybe the the question the answer most people are expecting but it's the one they need it's like set the expectation in the first place and through technology and software and better bookkeeping and other systems get better visibility into what's actually happening on site in the office Uh, and all the other nooks and crannies of your business because these accountability conversations become very black and white when that happens. Matt, to you, how do you hold accountability?
3: I, like Dave, would like to pass on this question. Um, I sat down with a new account account manager for lunch the other day and he goes, yeah, when I first got here, everybody told me you were really easy and nice uh, and that's kind of been my rep. So I want everybody to be happy, uh, like hard conversations are not really good for me. So, uh, the comment, the standard is the standard, like this year, finally, I think I've, I've gotten over the hump of understanding that my job description is not to make everybody happy. My job description is to keep a healthy company. So we got 50 or 60 families around here that need to make a living from it. Um, And if I'm worried about making one person happy, that doesn't work. So I've had to get Mm -hmm. a lot harder, um, which is tough for me. Um, But I have and we've seen some better results from it. So I think that's probably number one on accountability. Number two is uh, so we do GSRs weekly. Uh, We have started that about a year and a half ago. That's a BTA thing. So GSR is just a it's a meeting where we do a quick check in with with your director whoever reports to you directly you do a one-on-one quick check-in with them how they feeling what are they proud of what do they need help with that kind of thing Um, we go over their kpis so their main numbers their their results for how they're doing and either one or two goals that they have for the coming week and then the then we'd meet the next week and we'd go hey how'd you do on your goals and we cover those things most of our accountability comes in the gsrs we have implemented that across the board for all our management staff and all our office staff we're about halfway through our leads our crew crew chiefs crew foreman um having those we do a tailgate version of that i think everybody need, needs to know where they stand uh everybody needs feedback good feedback and bad feedback because you really shouldn't get surprised because we had to let you go i mean you should know there's a problem long before we ever got to that And I think, I think those two things, like I said, being firmer on it and just having to really set a standard and hold people to it and then doing it through GSRs seems to be the most effective way for us.
1: Yeah, it's good. You'll notice guys like, (laughs) well, Both Matt and Dave want to pass. The the, the true answer is like, this is always a work in progress. Uh, I think that everyone has this image in their mind that like other contractors or business owners are like orders of magnitude better at really holding a line. And the reality is everyone struggles with this. Nobody finds accountability conversations easy or fun, Um, but they're a necessary skill and necessary muscle to develop. Let's uh let's let's quickly answer this final s- question on the slide. There's a bunch of Q and A piling up that I want to get to as well. Um, Matt, advice for owners struggling to find the time and space to implement this.
3: So my staff struggles with taking the time to do the stuff we need to do because we're so busy doing all the crap we got to do. So we have this illustration uh you're in the ocean the waves are high you're trying to tread water and keep your head above the water and waves are bad you're swallowing water uh you're just hoping the waves get lower if you do strategic planning it's kind of like pulling your head up above the water looking trying to find the island that you're trying to swim to and at least moving that direction Um, life may not be in the better in the middle of it, but at least you might be moving in a direction. Eventually you put your feet on the sand and you walk up out of the water, get you a drink, sit on the beach. Um, otherwise you're just, man, you're just fighting waves and it's really hard to do that, but it's hard in the middle of that to take the time to do it. We always used to say, I don't have time to do that. The best way for me to be effective is to work really hard at selling stuff or getting stuff installed or something like that. Um, but as we've grown that doesn't work I can't work hard enough to do everything that needs to be done anymore
1: yeah what what got you here won't get you there um Dave same question to you
2: sure absolutely um I touched on earlier that you know it's getting over the idea that it's going to be it has to be perfect the first time or that you need to uh that you need to knock it out of the park your first run uh the first time you sit down it's going to be frustrating uh you may not know where to start uh you you're gonna find that you're missing a lot of data that you wish you had um and like i said it before it helps to break it into chunks um once you do it once uh and then you go back after a while and you go to review it and do your next one you're going to be really happy you did that first one and it's going to be it's going to be monumentally easier and you're going to be um a lot more excited to go through it the second and third and fourth time um just because you're gonna have so much more insight into the company and you're gonna start to feel that it's actually moving the needle um so i guess it's it's uh, like you said i mean it takes a few times to to get it right um and uh i honestly look forward to it as much as any activity i do in the company and i'm not just saying that because we're, we're that's what we're talking about right now like i really Get excited about it. I mean, the future is something we should be looking forward to, and like having a roadmap um, to get there, uh, it makes a lot it makes it a lot less daunting and a lot less a lot more exciting. Um,
1: I, I love what you just said about it. It being fun. Like you, you are all entrepreneurs for a reason because you want to chart your own course and. Try to control your own destiny to some degree. And I. this is your opportunity to do that. This is what it's all about on some level. And so, yeah, it's hard to find the time. But once you get 20 or 30 minutes into it, you're like, yeah, this is kind of fun. This is really cool. This excites me. Um, and so ha- have some faith that that will be the case for you. You know, at the very least, find a half day between now and the new year to take this template we're providing. If you download it already, great. We'll make it available again in a minute here. Uh, take that and run with it. Do your best, forget the rest. And uh, I think that's a really, really great starting point if you've never done this before. We're going to move into some questions uh, because we have kind of live Q&A coming in quickly. Um, This one's from Glenn. Matt, Dave, and Benji, what is one book that you would recommend? I'm assuming this is to do with like strategy and goal setting and stuff. Um, But maybe there's just other great books that, that loosely tie into this. I wrote. I've got a couple of thoughts, but I don't want to start. Um, Matt, any great books that you would recommend when it comes to strategic planning?
3: Uh, traction helped us a lot. We we still use like rocks come from traction. That's right. We still use a lot of the stuff from that. We don't use it exactly now. We use more of the BTA stuff, but it, it did at least it started us on the path to doing this. Um,
2: Dave, anything anything that you can recommend? Um, i love traction that's great i'll second that um i guess yeah i can never give you a straight answer depending on what you're looking for i mean leadership uh extreme ownership by jocko is is great mm-hmm. uh and uh on the other side i mean i really like the great game of business mm. um that was one of my favorites i read that a few times that's mm-hmm. a lot centered around um you know employee involvement and and uh, and uh, getting them getting them on board with with the vision of the company. Um, You know, everyone knows the e-myth, I would think, Uh, you know, it's kind of the standard. It's a little dated, but it's it's good. So two books that come
1: to mind for me that really have to do with this subject matter in particular, one's called The One Thing by Gary Keller. It's really popular. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can post that in the chat. The other one is called Vivid, Vivid Vision by a guy named Cameron something or something Cameron um those are very very, i mean there's a million we we could literally just do you know what we have books list episodes on the podcast go listen Mm -hmm. to those um but those would be two two books that i think really come to mind when it comes to uh this conversation we're having today it's a question from fernando vergara what do your what do you do in your company to make it appealing to people to apply and stay working with you besides just hourly pay, specifically in the lawn care world? Uh, so are there tactical things, compensation structures, just things that you found effective when it comes to attracting people and retaining people, guys?
2: Um, either one. Okay, I'll go.
3: <laughs> oh, go ahead.
2: All right, thanks, Matt. Uh, we we did an exercise at one of our meetings uh, back in the spring where I listed all the things that I – have have listed as benefits for working for the company. And I asked my my crew to work um, to rank them and uh, and it was uh, a positive working environment, a good equipment, uh, wages, benefits and a company trip. And a lot of people who know me know we do a big company annual uh, getaway, um, which is expensive, but it's it's uh, it's fun. Uh, I asked them all to rank those things. Positive working environment was number one across the board. Everybody else, everybody agreed that was number one. Um, number two was, uh, was equipment, was having reliable, good equipment to do their work. Um, then, then wages, you know, which I would expect wages to be up there, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, it gave me a little bit of insight into what they really cared about. and it was it was nice to see that the positive working environment was the number one thing. Um, now it's tricky to balance that obviously with the accountability needs, right? Um, you always want to be liked, and you always want to give them a, a good space to work. While also, um, you know, the top performers uh, need to see that you're holding holding people accountable.
1: They do. The optics matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, I'll, I'll hand you the mic here. Someone is also also asked about keeping salespeople happy. So I don't know if you can dovetail this into it maybe you have thoughts on Uh, on like comp structures or how to manage salespeople in particular. So not necessarily a technician, it is a different role and different incentives, but um, same question to you with the salesperson tweak, if possible.
3: uh, I'm a salespeople. We don't like to be managed first off, but uh, we need, I think it's so salespeople, it needs to be fun, uh, hitting goals, if you can help salespeople to be successful, I think they're we're happy when we hit the darn goal. Uh, we're happy because we got commission for it. But I think if we hit the goal, it makes us feel good. If the client's happy, we hit the goal, we sold them the job. There's this feel good that comes from it. So I think salespeople need an environment where you, I, I do think you need to free them up from stuff that's not sales related as much as you can, mm. uh, because that's what they feed off of. Um, I think they need a fun sort of, we have boards and we're a little bit competitive. We'll trash talk a little bit about, I mean, my guys will trash talk me if they've hit their goal this month that I hadn't hit my goal this month. So I think that part's fun. Uh, If you put salespeople in a position where they sell something and we don't deliver good quality and their clients aren't happy, I think salespeople get sour really quick. Right. So I think doing good work helps salespeople to feel better
1: and want to stay here. Question from Nick Pot. This is a good one. Hey, Nick, good to see you. Can we elaborate on drivers and restrainers and what they are? Dave, I think you'd brought it up earlier, just in passing drivers and restrainers. Like that is like BTA terminology. We use it in our GSR meetings. We use it in strategic planning. Like can you just maybe give your definition of drivers
2: and restrainers and kind of where they fit into using this tool? So, yeah, the way I look at it, they're just explanations of why a number or a, or a KPI or any other thing you're looking at is is happening. So uh, if if uh, if uh, your gross profit is low, uh, lower than your goal, when there's something restraining that and uh, I every number the I spend way more time on drivers and restrainers during my review process, um, less so obviously in the planning part. But in the in the review of the year, I will just take a number. Uh, something that is either above what I wanted it to be or below, um, and I'll just I'll write out paragraph of why this is the way it is, um, you know, or if our our revenues this year didn't get off to as good a start as I wanted them to, um, reasons were uh, the weather was really bad here in my area, there were supply chain issues. Uh, it's it's helpful to look at what what caused the the problem and see okay is this something that we can correct. Or is this just an external thing, one off that isn't going to happen again?
1: Um, question from Michael Tomano, Uh, and I think it's to you, Dave, again, what, are, what was the biggest change you made on the marketing side to hit those
2: maintenance sales goals in one year? That is uh, with maintenance in in Canada, I'm not sure how the structure is in the US, but I know like with Strata maintenance, which is our which was our core maintenance uh, division. We don't do commercial. We don't do residential. Um, it's all run by the property managers. So the strata will hire a property manager. They they are the ones that generally are recommending landscapers to those stratas. Uh, it's all about relationship building. Um, so we started our maintenance division four years ago, but it wasn't, was it, it was one crew of two or, two or three people. And it was just to give me some cash flow uh, advantage in the winter. Uh, when we decided we made sure we did a really good job. I think it all boils down to that. And, uh, it's no easy answer for my, for me, I tried all kinds of things like flyers and social media and advertising, uh, none of it really hit. It was about doing a really good job for the small amount of complexes that we did manage. And then when we were ready to grow, just start peppering the property managers with emails and say, "You know, we're here. We're not we're, we don't have a labor shortage. We are ready to take on more contracts. Uh, it worked well this year because there was there was a lot of companies that were straight up dropping contracts because they couldn't find enough people. Right. Um, so a little bit of luck, a little bit of relationship building and just a lot of time uh, investing in building those relationships. But you got scrappy like you're, you're playing a good ground game
1: there. I like, started. Go to networking meetings, go to their office, call them on the phone, email them. Be annoying. (laughs) I
2: I got this. uh, I got this trick from Jason Hoke, who's also a BTA member, where uh, none of our property managers mail us their checks. I pick them up and that gives me an opportunity to chat with the people in the office, get to know them a little bit. Uh, uh, This week, I'll be dropping Christmas gifts off for all of them. You know, a lot of it is just that schmoozing. Love it. Uh, this would be a question from Matt.
1: We have three to five. This is from Adam Richardson. We have three to five years worth of numbers. And inevitably, I end up focusing on the bottom line. Good analyzation gets pushed to the back burner. How do you break out the key components to get a clear view of what is working and what is what isn't working? So I think this is about like not being super myopic on one metric, but having a broader view uh, of the actual organization. Any, any thoughts on that, Matt? Uh,
3: I spend a lot more time with the financials than I ever used to. And we spend a good bit of time going through them. So, uh, usually when there's, usually when the bottom line's off, I mean, it becomes, I think once you do it a lot, it becomes really obvious what the problem is. I mean, you could see it coming. We didn't do enough revenue in this line this month or, uh, our gross profit in install work is off for some reason, there's less gross profit delivered to the company or, or occasionally there's an overhead number, but it's usually in the, either we didn't sell enough or we didn't do it efficiently enough. If we didn't do it efficiently enough, the question is why and how do we fix it? If we didn't sell enough, the question is how, why, and how do you fix it? I think it goes back to, you were talking about drivers and restrainers. Restrainer is what got in the way of us hitting the goal. Yeah. And so you're trying to figure out that so that you could do something about it. We we don't do it perfectly, but we do it better. We just used to hope for the darn best. I mean, I, I hope it gets better. We're going to work harder, try harder, etc., which usually doesn't help a
1: whole lot. We have a ton of questions here about KPIs, which I think we touched on earlier, but it might be worth revisiting. So, you know, you, Let's let's go with like Dave. Let's go with like baseline KPIs that you track. What are the most important? Like, I don't know, six to eight for the whole organization. What are you hyper focused on to kind of give you that broader perspective of what's going on beyond just like looking at the bottom
2: line? Um, definitely. I mean, obviously, net profit, gross profit. Um, like I touched on earlier, I mean, gross profit is is massive. Like Matt was just saying, especially on the install side. That can get out of whack really easily. And, uh, it, you know, and there's a lot of things that can happen to lower your efficiency on, on an installation job, uh, whether it's materials or of materials, not negotiating better pricing or just wasting time. Uh, so gross profit is huge for me, especially on the install side. Um, like I was saying, uh, revenue re- or uh, overhead as a percentage of revenue. Now, yeah. that's a personal one for me because I've let that spin out of control before. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of years spending like a bigger company than I run. <laughs> Meals and entertainment, man. That, right. That's, that's a big line item for me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is equipment. Fancy, fancy trucks. I, I overspend for a long time uh in a long time I haven't been in business that long but the uh the first uh, few years I was you know you know we were a million dollar companies I was spent I was buying trucks like we were two million dollar company um the overhead as a percentage of, of revenue is big I've managed to get that down uh by about 15 percent in the last year and a half um that's a huge KPI um marketing uh like I was saying ROI by lead source so um where are your leads coming from? You know, we've I used this example the other day to somebody uh, where, you know, we signed up to the Home Depot preferred contractor installation uh, thing. And they're like, we're going to funnel you all kinds of leads. We did that. We I was getting like eight to ten leads a day and they were just all trash. And, you know, tracking where you're getting the actual ROI on on your lead sources is huge. Where are people seriously looking at you? As opposed to just kicking tires.
1: Yeah, that marketing ROI is is huge, and I don't think most you know, I think the average landscaper they're probably not tracking you know what they're spending on this channel versus that channel, and how much revenue each of those channels is generating. Even at Breakthrough Academy, there's certain there's certain things we want to learn more about which lead sources for us work better than others. Uh, but just a like a even a baseline like hey I spent this much and I landed this many jobs mm-hmm. uh, is like a great place to start. Uh, two more questions and then we're gonna wrap. What role, Matt? I'll ask you this one. What role was your first big hire when you were starting?
3: Um, I, I, probably my first salesperson was my first big hire because they were not a productive. I mean, I hired a foreman and that kind of stuff when we were very, very small. But I think a salesperson, because suddenly there was a staff that wasn't producing anything other than delivering work. And I was selling everything up until that point in time. And I was bumping up against the, Hey, I can't grow anymore because this is the max I can sell myself. That was, that was my first big hire. Okay.
1: Dave.
2: Same yeah. <laughs> sales, okay. sales manager was, uh, Maybe different reasons I, I was hitting a ceiling uh, like Matt was saying I, when we were doing one one point one million in revenue, I had zero overhead staff. It was just me. So I had, I had a bunch of field workers and then me doing all the office work, all the sales, all the all the supervising, all the project management um, and hiring a sales manager to go and actually do the job or quote the jobs, land the jobs yeah. uh, turned out to be way better than me at it. It's quite a profound <laughs> feeling when, like the first, like you actually have a
1: booked job, you have like a contract come back that you didn't do anything with. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, it's this is possible. Because up until then, this is nice. This is nice. I like this. You've done every phone call, you've done every estimate, you've begged,
2: and pleaded for every project, and now all of a sudden you have someone doing it for you. It's like, whoa, pretty the neat. Best- The best part about that for me is I can I'll show up on site and push a wheelbarrow and the client has no idea who I am. (laughs) That's (laughs) also a good feeling. That's great.
1: Um, John Malinchuk always asks such thoughtful questions. Okay, so here it is. If you are a visionary or an integrator, what's been your strategy to fulfill your company's needs with the other personality type, the one that you aren't? have you asked specific staff staffers to help have you hired someone um, or done something else so i guess maybe uh answer this question matt we'll start with you like are, do you consider yourself more in the visionary end or the integrator end of the spectrum and then what have you done to like backfill the backfill the personality style that you don't bring to the table
3: uh i'm a visionary which means i'm terrible at holding people accountable thus the, i want to make everybody happy Mm -hmm. Um, I've hired that probably in need of a really good one right now. We're in process of looking and negotiating that because I think that's such a key for, I can do that kind of stuff, but I'm not great at it. It exhausts me to do it it's hard when you're not good at it. So, um, I think that's, that's probably getting that person in here or promoted is probably the biggest thing in our way right now of of everything else we've got going on
1: so you're hiring it from the outside and bringing it in Dave what about you on this visionary integrator question
2: yeah it's I, I haven't thought I haven't given it much thought I'm definitely on the visionary end of it I guess uh but um you know my sales manager like I just mentioned I mean he's he's a little bit more on the opposite end so we do balance each other out pretty well but I've never really gone into it with that goal of finding somebody to you know to uh balance things out um maybe just fell into it a little bit but but uh yeah it's an interesting thought definitely something I might want to uh want to consider doing <laughs> um
1: le- how are we doing for time 11 40. Uh, there's one more short question we'll just do this one Mike and Janine Brown is having a sales team critical we only have three workers including the owner and my other half handles everything else. So the, the answer is it depends Mike and Janine it's really all about like the size of business you run and you want to run if, if you're good at that stage and you're like really happy with that setup and that feels like the right size and the right balance for you then you probably don't but if you wanted to get to 10 full time workers or 20 or beyond there will come a point where there's only so many hours in the day to do estimates and do phone calls and, and and hiring a sales team will become necessary. So as a small business, probably not. You can handle it yourself as a big uh, and getting bigger business. it's it, it should absolutely be on your radar. And um, there's a bunch of great, I mean, there's a lot of really, really good Contract Revolution episodes about uh, building a sales team and what to look for in sales people and building hiring funnels, et cetera. So go go check out that resource for for further information on that okay it is is we're 11 minutes over time I can see some people logging off and I and uh and I don't I don't blame them we've been going for a while this has been a really phenomenal conversation um one more time I just want to mention if you have not downloaded your resources today you do that on this page try 2023 We'll put it in the chat box. There's the pop-up on screen again. If you haven't done that yet, go do that before we sign off. Um, get that strategic planning bundle with the tools. And if you like, uh, book a book a strategy session with us and let's chat. Same thing goes for LMN. If, if you're if you are CRM shopping right now, get on a demo with them and their team. Phenomenal product. And uh, I want to close just by by saying this. Um, or by asking this of, of you guys here, Dave and, and Matt have carved out the precious time to, to do this. You know, we prepped for an hour on Monday. They've shared um, like a ton about their business and how they do things and their numbers. Uh, and uh, like a lot of business owners just frankly, aren't that generous. So I just, if you guys are all in the chat box that are still here, if we could do like a virtual round of applause and just thank our great guests for their time and their input and their wisdom today. Um, give us some love in the, in the chat box and Matt and Dave, thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you. My pleasure. It's been fun. You guys have been awesome. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs
0: to hear it.